Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gate, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. It feels like a Friday, at least it does to me. Thursday edition is here from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad Withrow, Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Gentlemen, a lot to get to today. Armando Salguero joins us a bit later. He'll be on in hour number two. Uh, Dan Dockich from Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. He's with us in the final hour today to preview all things Final Four. And John McClain of the Houston Chronicle announcing his retirement after 47 years with the Houston Chronicle and over 50 years covering the NFL. Uh, he's been with this show for, what, over a decade now. Nearly twelve, time. nearly twelve full years. He joins us in twenty minutes to discuss his retirement and tell some stories throughout. Bruce Arians is also retiring, by the way. How about that? Big day, big day for retirements. This ha- this week has gone by pretty slow. I feel like it does feel like a Friday here. Don't know if that says anything about us or just about the week and the circumstances surrounding it, but it's felt like a slow week. I know a slow week. It would feel like Wednesday. Last week it would feel like Friday. So it's right where you expected it would be Thursday. Paul, well, what's up, man? You good? Oh, well, yeah, the Arians thing, uh, very surprising well, last night. Not, not surprising. There was a rumor out there. Uh, I need to go back and find who it was. Um, the, the same guy who said all the stuff about Arians was messing with the game plans that Leftwich and... Um, I thought about that last and, night. And Brady put together, hinted that, that, that there was a possibility of this. It's just the timing that is so strange. It's not strange that he would step away. It's strange that he would step away on March 30th. Um, so I don't, I don't get that. Um, even if he wanted the smoothest sailing for Todd Bowles as his successor, he could have gotten that on March 1st. Um, and have, and he, so he's at the owners' meetings. He could have had that, though, in, in January. Well, for the Rooney rule, after March 1st, everybody's locked in and teams don't have to give permission for people to talk, so you can't fulfill talking to outside people to fulfill the Rooney rule, which is technically the rule that you have to search outside your organization. So if they just wanted to smooth Todd Bowles into it, they could have done that starting March 1st, the way I read everything that was coming out last night. Um, and you can, you can evade the Rooney rule technically, whether you're hiring a, a white guy or a minority guy starting on March 1st, hiring from within. You don't have to fulfill it. You, so... <clears throat> Here's, here's immediately what I thought, and I, 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 I'm likely dead wrong on this uh, because based on Brady's posts about Arians and other things, it just doesn't add up. But so I thought about the report about how Arians didn't see eye to eye with the game plans with Leftwich and Brady, which uh, it was known that Leftwich and Brady got together and many times we wouldn't, they wouldn't see Arians in the, in the room with them. At least that was what was reported and, and kind of, I guess, common knowledge. Until Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. By doing it, the timing of it this way, he 
elevates Todd Bowles and not Byron Leftwich, who was a hot coaching candidate interviewing for Jacksonville, New Orleans, and others, and would have been a logical interview and possible replacement for Arian. So if they're not seen eye to eye, and you don't want Byron Leftwich named the head coach of Tampa Bay with Brady, you wait until right now where you um, immediately can elevate Todd Bowles as, as who you wanted to replace you. Right, he still could have done that a month ago, and he's ultimately not choosing his successor as much as Jason Light and the Gladwell family. Well, they're still so uh, he's got they're power. allowing that perception to go on that he is. Yeah, they certainly are, and he's staying with the organization in in a front office capacity. Though we don't know how much power. Well, and, uh, uh, and by the way, so Leftwich is about still risk. there. It's about risk, I think. Okay, so if you're Tampa. You go with a guy who's been a head coach before because it minimizes risk with a team that can win it all. You know you got a team coming back that's veteran, that can win it all, that's done it before. So don't put a first-time head coach in that seat and now allow the offensive coordinator that was reportedly butting heads with the offensive-minded head coach to be the head coach of the offense. You would presume he is that. Yeah, with Tom Brady riding shotgun on every more, offensive decision. Certainly has more freedom now with Bowles than he did with Arians, who's uh, offensive side of the ball. I think from that perspective, it makes a ton of sense. Part you think two, about the move for Todd Bowles. Part two of this is Arians didn't want to step down after the season for the perceived notion that he's stepping down because Brady retired and leave Tampa in a world of hurt searching the way for their Sean quarterback Payton, replacement. The way Sean Payton left uh, New Orleans in a world of hurt. I mean, that, t- that timetable, that 40 days is kind of just glossed over in a way. It's almost like Arians knew Brady was coming back and was setting all this stuff. There's no way he would have known that. But they said Brady, uh, from what I read last night, and I think it was from the co-breaking of the story from Peter King, and I read actually more Sam Farmer, that Brady knew this was coming. Well, how long has Brady been back? Well, the, Two the, weeks? Well, no, but the report was that Brady found out this was going to happen a day after, either the day or the, or the day, day after he announced his retirement. Which has been a couple of weeks already. No, and announced his retirement, not his return. Oh, so six weeks. Uh, I mean, Two months. Yeah, January. Uh, it was late January. So, I mean, what's, it, what's he waited all this time for? Well, that's what I'm was, saying. Oh, like, it's really bizarre. You wait, you wait this time past March, in, in my theory – to be able to elevate the coach you want instead of the coach who was likely to get it, which was Leftwich. So, I mean, was he leaving? Am I Jason? wrong in thinking that? No, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's an interesting theory, but then is he, is he playing games with Jason Light, who was a good partner with him all of this time? Is he playing games with ownership who treated him well all of this time? You know, in your, in your theory, which I think there's some credence to, that he didn't want to give it to Leftwich maybe because if you buy they the butted report, heads. If you buy the report, which you, he called BS. If you BS. buy that – then he's toying with two people, the management who treated him very well and a GM that he had a good working relationship with. He's messing with them. Now, Brady had a long post about Arians and everything. It, by the way, but you'd expect that no matter what their relationship is, whether it's true or not. Well, if that's well, true, where's the post at, about Belichick? Brady's at the press yeah, conference right. right now also. Yeah. I, um, so, again, that's where my mind went last night. By this morning, all the reports are, and I, I like the way Arians has set this up for Todd Bowles to have success instead of a rebuild. But what they are is they're likely a year away from a, from a rebuild. And so regardless of how this year goes, and by the way, the pressure remains the same on the Bucks. They're still, I mean, in Vegas, they're uh, predicted to get, uh, the over-under is like 11.5 wins, 12.5 wins next season, which is more than any uh, NFC team. Um 
Paul, I look at it and think that this is Todd Bowles with the same opportunity that Arians had yes. whenever they signed Brady. And a year from now, he now gets a 12-month chance to put together a plan with, with uh, light on what they're going to do at quarterback instead of having to do that and scramble right now. Also got a five-year And that's uh, me, contract. again, assuming that we're back where we are a year from now with Bull, Brady. Bowles got a very nice five-year contract. I, I wonder, you know, for Brady, a year from now – some aging parts on the team around him with no new contract. Is he thinking, Hey, I'll take a a run at the Super Bowl with this team one more time and then pick my team again next year, Uh, uh, you know, and and go to another team like the bucks. That's in a good position to make a run for it. If I feel like the bucks aren't equipped to do it again, depending on what happens this year. And I could go somewhere like, Tennessee that could get out from under Ryan Tannehill and go be with with Vrabel or San Francisco, depending on what happens with Trey Lance, back to my hometown team or whatever. Though it is interesting, one of the things, um, and I think Armando uh, had this, or, uh, yeah, because there's talk also of Miami if the Tua thing doesn't work out, and even if Mike McDaniel doesn't have a good solid first year of Brady and Peyton yeah. in Miami where they're building a house because it's easy for them to get to Brazil to go see Giselle's family. Well, here, here we go again with more, more options. A year it could away. also be Brady and Arians. doesn't have to be now Brady and Sean Payton. Bruce Arians, who steps down in part by saying because he wanted to facilitate the next regime and have Todd Bowles set up to succeed, with the can staff. now go outside of the conference and coach hypothetically here. Uh, where everyone thinks Brady is headed, which is Miami. Be interesting. What what a position that put Mike Mike McDaniel in. I mean, they just loaded up to surround I'm this quarterback McDaniel, or though. the next. I'm rooting for McDaniel too. I think he's an incredibly I, I like him. likable guy and seems smart. Um, and uh, you know, they've built this thing. If if Tua doesn't work out, give if if McDaniel seems good this year, give him the next quarterback. You don't have to bring in a marquee coach for him. And I'd say that for Brady. I mean, we saw Peyton do that with Adam Gase. You know, Brady could go make any coach good. Oh, he doesn't need sure. a, 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 a headliner coach. He can go there with McDaniel and make that work, uh, I have no doubt. What a great position for Todd Bowles, though, who did, things did not work out for him with the Jets. The wrong market for a guy like that Yeah, with his personality. Went, went through sure. multiple offensive coordinators there trying to get things right. Very solid dude. And a good uh, defensive mind. He's been on our show multiple times, but very good guy. Um, in fact, was on our show for the Mike Heimerdinger Foundation yep. golf tournament. Uh, just a, a really genuine human being. But a year from now, he could be without Brady and potentially Leftwich gets a head coaching job as well somewhere in the next cycle. So um, Arians has really helped him out by waiting as long as he did to announce this. It's making me think of... Uh... Uh, would he have done that if so? So here's my biggest question: Would Arians still have stepped down if Brady's not there right now? If Brady chooses to stay in retirement, is Bruce Arians still the head coach at Tampa Bay? No, I would think not. But I, you, I think uh, he's one of the things is you, he wanted to make it appear like he wasn't just quitting because Brady because wasn't of there. Brady. But that's a bad reason to stay in it no, when you're an older guy with some admitted, health issues who's he said, tired. He said the inevitable was after this upcoming season, he was going to retire. And he stepped down now, made the decision to step down now in order for Todd Bowles to be elevated into that position. So, And, 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 and we wanted to do it now so that he sets Bowles up with the best possible outcome 
with Brady as his quarterback and the and the roster built the way it is. This but if, if you if you buy if you buy that, then if Brady doesn't come back, is Arians still coaching? This comparison falls apart in a lot of ways, but for some reason, it's making me think of Bobby Johnson at Vanderbilt who quit really late because he wanted to set up who was it? Uh, Robbie, Robbie Caldwell. Caldwell, who was yep. terrible. And well, he did it like a month a good, before the season. Yeah, wasn't. What was later than this, but it was also a thing where he was controlling who was replacing him in a way that he didn't deserve. Arians maybe deserves it, but it 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 smell it still smells funny. Well, and I I can see again we're fast forwarding a little bit. I think everyone's writing the the final chapter for Arians. I think Arians' mindset is the same as Brady, and you can tell <laughs> for the respect that Brady's putting out there with Arians today. Brady, with all the championships, all the MVPs, the Super Bowl MVPs, all the accolades, he's the greatest of all time. 40 days after retirement, he tweets out all this stuff and says, unfinished business. That dude said unfinished business, and he has no business acting like there's anything left for him to prove. Arians just stepped away with Tom Brady, with that guy, saying there was unfinished business of his greatest of all time career. And he's stepping down a year earlier in order for Bowles to take over. I can't help but think a year from now, if given the chance to team back up and make another run for, for it, he, he does it with, with Tom somewhere else. I, I, I don't the, know. The that one Tom thing that makes me think that he goes. the one thing this that would make me agree with you, it. Hutton, is that in that announcement with his retirement, he says, No one asked me about my health. I've never been healthier. This is not a health issue. And that's where I immediately thought, okay, then he could come back and coach right. again next year. You leave that door open by saying, I've never been healthier. This is not a health issue. My thing is that Tom doesn't need him necessarily. No. So if Tom's going somewhere else there, and he's probably going to a pretty good team, it probably already has a pretty good coach. So he doesn't need a package deal. deal. Now, I could see Arians resurfacing. you know, But he's probably not resurfacing with a good team, which makes it all the more – Hard to come to terms with the fact that he gave up a really good team. Gave, gave it up, and he waited so long to get a head coaching opportunity through his career. Yes. And then has the, the greatest quarterback on his roster and stepped down. For Todd Bowles, allegedly. Yeah. I, 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 Something I, else is going on there. It's yeah. more than just, oh, I really want Todd to have I this opportunity. So Something behind the scenes or, or maybe some level of burnout. I mean, he is an older guy. His health doesn't yeah. have to be bad for him to be kind of sick and tired of it. He doesn't seem like a sick and tired type of no. guy, though. That's, that's what's odd about he's it. He's a grump. Yeah. Almost, but mean, he loves coaching. Oh, there are a lot of coaches like that, though. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wonder if more will come out. Usually does. And, uh, I mean, he certainly was feeding a lot of people a lot of stuff. Well, here, uh, here, He orchestrated Peter King and Sam Farmer who are competitors, having this story simultaneously, which is something you don't see. We should also point out he could be another candidate for the, the NFL broadcast now because that's what he did um, with CBS whenever he was out for a year. Was he out for a year between Arizona and Tampa Yeah, he, he, yeah. he was a part of the CBS broadcast crew. So I, I wonder if he tries to do that for a year and take the take I don't the remember of, him doing that, but I, I would imagine he's pretty good. He did a few I mean, games. He didn't, he didn't pull punches. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Uh, another retirement announced today. John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. After 47 years, he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, names on the wall when you walk in to, to the Canton building there. 
Um, he will join us and uh, recap the decision to step away after 47 years with the Chronicle and over five decades covering the National Football League. Uh, we look forward to some great stories. We'll put the ball on the tee for him and, and let him knock it out of the park. And uh, Chad, coming up, we've got Armando Salguero and then Dan Dockage. Basketball, football, retirements, we got it all for you today. Full slate. First, though, Aurora Nutriscience and VitaLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com, uh, supplements for you uh, where you can see everything they have to offer at VitaLifeScience.com. And Outkick 360 season ticket holders get a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360 at checkout. And here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, and more. They have so many options to choose from if you're looking for something to mix with the yogurt or the shake at the workout, whatever it might be. Um, and this is so much better than a typical pa- uh, pill or, or capsule because, again, you're not going to waste this uh, and waste your money on something that is really not going to stay in your body all that long. Here, here is Aurora that takes care of that. VitaLifeScience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at VitaLifeScience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Spent the first segment discussing the retirement of Bruce Arians. And now we go from the coaching retirement to the sports writer retirement. John McClain of the Houston Chronicle announcing his retirement from the Chronicle after 47 years, 45 years spent covering the National Football League, 51 years in the business. And today was the last day on the job officially at the Houston Chronicle for the legendary John McClain, who's been a longtime friend of this show and of ours and our, our audience uh, with uh, Charity events galore here in the Middle Tennessee area, down in, in Texas and, and throughout the country, and, of course, his great work covering the NFL. John, congratulations. Bravo. Guys, thank you. I've heard from each of you today. I can't tell, tell you how much I appreciate it. I've heard a lot of, from a lot of people in uh, Tennessee, around the country. I wrote my – it's not my last column. I've got two more, but it was my farewell column in which I tried to thank a lot of the people that had made an impact on my career, and all three of you have. And uh, I'm keeping all my radio shows, and I appreciate everybody letting me do that. But I retired because I just got tired of the grind of covering one team all the time. So I'll still be doing radio. I'll tweet. And uh, anything else pops up out there that interests me, then I might be interested in that. I'm just glad after doing this for so long, that uh, I'm not required to go to the same place every day at the same time. It wasn't a job. You know, I haven't had a job since I mowed yards in Waco before I started working at the Waco Tribune Arrow 51 years ago. And I've been blessed to be able to do everything I've done. And uh, I 
I, I heard from George Plaster today. And if it wasn't for George, I wouldn't be here with you guys because he's the one that gave me that first opportunity 25 years ago to do radio in Nashville and I never had any idea it would become as important to me as it has been. Yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't know you if not for that. So uh, definitely thankful for that. And you were far too kind, John, to mention us uh, in your farewell column. So thank you for that, though. Um, I, I'm amazed. We were talking before the show about the amount of people you named in this column. How difficult was that process of writing it down and going through your entire career and really mentioning everyone along the way that you worked with, that you worked for, uh, that helped you along the way? That, that, that would be a difficult process, just me thinking about this now, and I've not worked nearly as long as you have. No, no offense, John. I'm not calling you old. <laughs> Let me tell you right now, Chad, like start writing down the names of people who have had an impact on your career. The column I wrote today, which is on our sports website, TexasSportsNation.com, is the longest I've ever written. And the one I'm writing on Sunday with my greatest memories is going to be even longer. I've got stories in which I was experiencing with Sammy Ball, uh, Joe Bushbaum, uh, Bill Vec, George Hallis sitting in his office in Chicago in 1977 with him telling me about the formation of the NFL and who all was there with him and how it happened and about all those great bear teams through the years and Bill Beck, who was the owner of the White Sox when I went and spent an afternoon with him in the Bards room at Old Comiskey Park and him telling me stories about when his dad owned the Cubs and he worked there every day knowing Al Capone and John Dillinger and uh, Bobby Lane. I interviewed him at his office in Lubbock and, and I've just been blessed to be around so many famous athletes and coaches. Gordy Howe was the first famous one I covered with the original Houston Arrows of the World Hockey Association when he got him out of retirement as Mr. Hockey with the Detroit Red Wings to skate with his sons, Mark and Marty Howe. And that was such a big story. It transitioned sports, transcended sports. It was on all the news shows. And as I've told people for a long time, learning hockey from Gordy Howe would be like learning the Bible from Jesus. And I was so fortunate to have that experience in the 1976-77 season. John McClain with us. You can read uh, the farewell column, texasportsnation.com, cron.com. John, uh, coverage of the NFL, the daily beat, the, the, the locker room access, which I know is returning, but uh, the, the daily coverage has changed so much uh, throughout your career. It's changed a lot since I first stepped foot in a locker room in 2005. Um, you know, it's not as fun. That's how I would describe it. The access is, is drastically less. Which decade of your career do you remember most? If, if we say, hey, pick a moment, is there, is there a decade of coverage or is, that a, is there a chunk of the, the 51 years that you immediately go to as, yeah, I wish I could go back to this era of coverage? I got in on the Love You Blue era of the Houston Oilers with Bob Phillips and Earl Campbell and Dan Pastorini, quarterback, in which they lost back-to-back AFC championship games at Pittsburgh. And then in 1980, they the last year of Love You Blue, they lost at Oakland when Kenny Stabler had replaced Dan Pastorini. They'd been traded. And then they fired Bum Phillips on New Year's Eve of 
1980, still known as the New Year's Eve massacre. New Year's Eve massacre. Those were wild times back then. And then there was a run and shoot era with Warren Moon, Bruce Matthews, and Mike Munchak. That was uh, from 87 through 93 when the Oilers went to the playoffs. Every year they won, they had controversy, and they were a lot of fun to cover. And I think one of those two eras, and one of the good things about them back then, you could go into the locker room while the teams were in meetings and sit in front of players' lockers and read the newspapers, the Houston Chronicle or the Houston Post, till they got out of meetings. If you wanted to hang around after practice, you could. Before practice, they uh, – the only bad thing about back then, everybody read the newspaper and every day they would have the sports sections from the Chronicle and the Post right for the players when they came in. So if you wrote something negative about them, then uh, they didn't mind chewing you out and you tried to handle it as classily as you could. But generally they wouldn't respect the media back then and uh, because they knew you could be trusted. You're not going to sneak around and try to listen in on conversations and then run out and uh, write it. One time, uh, one player came in, and he saw what I'd written about him when he lost two fumbles at cost in the game, and he said some things to me as he walked by, and he didn't talk to me for 20 years. Now he does. So I'll never have relationships like that with the Houston Texans because you don't just get to know them. I know some of the coaches better than players. Mike Vrabel is one of my all-time favorite people to come through Houston. And I would love to see Mike have success in Tennessee. Andre Johnson's another one there, Winston, but not nearly as many as the others. I hung out with Bruce Matthews in an event last week on Sunday. I had brunch with Dan Pastorini and some other friends. And I cherished those times that we had, but it was a different era. And I feel bad that the reporters today were never able to experience going into Bum Phillips's office drinking a Budweiser while he put on tape and showed it to you, or the general manager, personnel director, Mike Hollaback, going into his office and having him put up tape and what, letting you watch, watch it with him. So I cherish those moments. You've got a unique personality, John, and I know that's the key to the answer to this question. But uh, you've been, as you said, you know, negative when it's, when it's called for, critical when it's called for, of a lot of people over a lot of years, yet – um, every time I see you with with people around the league at league events, um, they seem to be reconnecting with a with a long lost friend. Um, what do you think's been the key for you over that long career of sustaining those friendships, despite the fact that you you haven't always um, you know written the kindest things about those people. It's interesting that you say that, Paul, and I appreciate it. I've never thought of it like that. It's strange because uh, a lot of times when you're covering somebody, you know, you don't have a relationship with them. Bud Adams used to hate me. I mean, he used to have some knockdown dragouts. But then when the Oilers were in the process of moving to Nashville, and then after they got to Tennessee, we didn't become friends, but at least he would talk to me. And I think he understood about how much how bad I felt losing my team I covered for 20 years. And then one time when I was doing a Charles Davis dinners there uh, to raise money for Charles's foundation with George Plaster, I told somebody in the organization, I was going to call Bud and see if he'd do it. And they laughed. I said, no way Bud's going to come up here and fly up here and do something with you. And you know what? He did it two years 
in a row and he was terrific. And I've always tried to be fair. I've always thought you get more with sugar than vinegar. If you have to use vinegar, then use vinegar. But also, I've never been afraid to say I was wrong. I don't know. Uh, you were right. Like when I screw up something on Twitter, I'll put I'm a moron or I'm an idiot and uh, apologize for making a mistake. And, and uh, I think as the older I've gotten, you know, people don't chew out old guys. Yeah. And I think if when I was young, more the age of the players, they were more likely to do it. Plus, I think they players, they watch Twitter and Instagram. I don't know how many of them actually read a website or read a newspaper. Well, some of John's best work is on game day, live tweeting Texans games right in front of him. Uh, and he's not retiring from this show. John McClain joins Outkick 360 discussing the retirement after uh, 50 years plus uh, in the business. John, an, uh, another uh, friend of yours over the years, the late Floyd Reese, and I know you've got plenty of stories that tie in the move from Houston to, to Nashville, but um, if, if you don't mind, tie in the story of ETSU and TSU with Floyd Reese and the, and the practice facility when the Titans first move here. No, when we knew, we thought a year earlier, Paul was living in Houston because we all thought the Oilers were going to move out after the 2015 season, but the city and the county held them to their lease at the Astrodome, and that last season was a disaster. And so I looked uh, around Nashville, where I'd never been, because if I was going to come up there for training camp, spend a week or two, I need to give Marriott points. Well, there were Marriott's there, especially the one at the airport. And... Uh, but then Floyd told me that he was going to have training camp in East Tennessee at East Tennessee State. And I said, where's that? And he's, I think he said Johnson City. Yep. So I got on my computer. I couldn't find a Marriott property anywhere over there. And remember, this was in, this would have been in uh, 1996. Yes. And so it just so happened that an Oilers, I can't remember if it was a spring practice or what, but a Baylor defensive coordinator, Andy McCollum, was there. We were talking about Baylor, and I was complaining about Floyd's going to have training camp in eastern part of Tennessee, and I couldn't get any Marriott points. He said, yeah, I used to go to over there, East Tennessee State. That's a great place. I said, really? I said, well, I said, I need your help, Andy. He said, what? I said, so I concocted this plan. I know. I don't. I guess I told Floyd this. I they, at practice, Andy came and he was standing on the sideline, and we were talking and we were talking about Baylor, and uh, and I said, Andy, I said, didn't you used to coach somewhere in Tennessee? He said, Yeah, he's Tennessee State. I said, Well, that's where Floyd is planning to have training camp. He said, Really? He said, He said, Yeah, it's a great place, and he said, But uh, one thing, Floyd. You got to be careful if you if you get outside the city limit. And Floyd was a big jogger, as you guys know, and he jog outside city limits. And Floyd goes, "Oh yeah, why?" And I'd ask Andy to do this. He said, "Floyd, did you see the movie Deliverance?" <laughs> and Floyd's like, uh, "Yeah." He said, "Well, if if anybody gets outside in the country, there outside the city limits, you got to worry about that." And I could see. The wheel spinning with Floyd, who was running 10 miles a day back then. Next thing I know, they had training camp at Tennessee State, and I got two weeks of Marriott. <laughs> oh, that is terrific. John Paul. I got on. one more quick one. Oh, go sorry. ahead. Go ahead. 
uh, it used to drive Floyd crazy to get contract numbers. Back then, they didn't like them to get out. Players didn't want them out, agents, and I'd have them. And so he always claimed I was off, and I knew I wasn't. But he didn't, he didn't press it. So one time we're we're in the uh, we're let's see it's the Oilers and he had signed a quarterback Cody Carlson who replaced Warren Moon to an extension. We're at training camp in San Antonio and I had the numbers and he's that comes up to me on the sideline says those numbers you had they were wrong. I said what do you mean they're wrong? They're not wrong. Yes they are. And he started arguing with me. He said you don't believe it. Come to my office after practice and I'll show you the contract. And I said, okay. So I went to the practice. I did interviews and stuff, probably about an hour. Went to his office. His assistant, Linda Greer, uh, said he was in there. I go in there. He gets into his file cabinet. He shuffles through some. He takes out Cody Carlson's, puts it on the table, and says, look at this. See here? This is what it is. It's not what you said it was. And I'm like, holy bleep, you're right. I got to talk to my source about that. They've never been wrong. And so uh, about two days later, I see Linda Greer, the assistant in the cafeteria. And she said, she said, you know, when you came to the office the other day, I said, yeah. She said, I've never seen Floyd sweating so much when he came in. And I said, Floyd, what are you sweating about? He said, I just sprinted from uh, practice. She said, why? He said, I need to do something quick. I need you to draw me up a contract. <laughs> I said, okay, whose is it? Cody Carlson. And I'm going to tell you what numbers to put in there. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, wow. thank wow. you. And I went to Floyd and I just blistered him up one side and down the other. And I had three, four other media people that he was friends with just killing him. First, he tried to lie about it. And then his shoulders just slumped because he'd been at. That's how bad he wanted me to be wrong. I feel bad for poor Linda Greer in this story <laughs> who probably caught the wrath of Floyd uh, yeah, for spilling the beans. I never told him that Linda was the one that spilled the beans. John, do you have any rivals in media? Uh, I've yet to meet anyone that has worked with you, worked for you as an intern or anywhere along the way that has anything remotely negative to say about you. Uh, that's pretty remarkable this long in the business. Is there anyone out there that you would consider a rival in your profession that you have not gotten along with over the years? For whatever post reason, had to have some, right? Uh, you know, I always tried to get along with everybody. The Houston Post beat writers, Dale Robertson's been one of my closest friends since 76 when we covered hockey together. We just were at dinner last night. Um, I, I, but he came to the crew. Well, I don't have anybody that was there who covered the original arrows with me or the Oilers that we had a bad relationship. Now, if you want to know somebody really doesn't like me, Jerry Glanville, who lives in Knoxville, he doesn't like me. And we didn't get along at all when he was head coach here because I told the truth so much. But he was definitely a lot of fun to cover. But uh, I, you know, I've never thought about that much. You know, I just uh, it's not something I just haven't thought about. I haven't. Uh, I I'm, my phone's been blowing up since Chronicle put the story out on the website at six a.m. this morning, and then we put it on the paper in paper, and I put a big all over the front page and and uh i've just never thought about that and all the stories dale and i were telling our friends last night there's nothing ever came up about anybody being negative but i'm sure if i went back and thought about it there probably were some people but not at the houston post so i went to houston in 96 for the tennessee and covered 
what turned out to be the last year with the assignment of, of establishing relationships and, and bringing the team here. And John was great to me. Um, but at that stage in, uh, in sports writing, the huge thing was freelance. Okay. And there were two huge freelance gigs, the sporting news and pro sports exchange. Both had weekly things, sometimes daily, where you could make some good extra money, basically off recycling your own stuff yeah. and things that you knew very easily. So Jeff Legwald at Tennessee and had the sporting news, and John had Pro Sports Exchange, which I knew he would hold on to for as long as he could. But I was hopeful there would come a day when he could no longer do it, that I, I was the logical one to get it. And he, in fact, bestowed it on me. So, You're his Todd Bowles. Uh, I'm sure I thanked you many. Yeah, you were you. I was Todd Bowles, and you were Bruce Arians. You're Robbie so, Caldwell. I'm sure Bobby I thanked Johnson. you many times, John. But that was a lucrative thing for me at that stage of my career, and uh, I was forever. I need to get one of those grateful. cushy senior consultant jobs like Bruce Arians has got. John, what are you going to do now? I'm keeping my talk shows, and of course, with you guys at Outkick. In Nashville, in Knoxville, San Antonio, Las Vegas, San Antonio, Waco. And uh, they're going to keep me on in Houston, of course. I'm on here five days a week. I'm going to keep doing them like I'm still here. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, tell the Chronicle that, uh, that I'm happy to freelance for them like they want me to work during the draft. They didn't interview anybody to take my place because I think they thought I'd change my mind. Originally, I was going to retire. March 1st, he moved it back to March 31st, and they didn't want the word to get out in case I did change my mind. So now, word's going to get out, and they're not going to be able to interview and hire somebody in two weeks. So I'm sure I'll be doing some mock drafts and some preview stuff, and I know they've told me they want me to work on draft weekend, and I'm happy to do it. I believe I've heard from two other people who retired, Dale Robertson and David Barron, who continue to cover certain events that I think you can make like twelve to fifteen thousand uh, from the Chronicle without it affecting your pension, and you don't want it to affect your pension. What do you envision opening day being like for you? Well, I, the Texans have told me that I'm always welcome over there. That they'll give me credentials since I'll still be doing it on the radio here five uh, five days a week, so I'll still be covering them. So I'm guessing I'll probably be in the press box here if they're at home. And uh, if they're on the road, I'll be watching it on TV, tweeting about it. And uh, I told them I'm still going to be tweeting on game days. And uh, so I would imagine I'll be following them in a lot of games. And I, another thing I might do, depending on what I'm doing, is Deshaun Watson's first game. He doesn't get suspended early in the year when he plays in Houston assuming the schedule is not when he could be suspended, then I'll do that game. And I may come up there and do some, come hang out at some Titans games. Always have a seat for you. And, um, John, we nearly um, put up on the screen today, John McClain, the man in black. And, of course, uh, the day one of your retirement, you're wearing blue. So I'm glad we didn't it's do that. It's a shocker. It's a new man we see before laundry, us. Laundry Look day. Him. Look at him. Brand you, new man. You guys think I wear black most of the time. It's Navy gear, but over a camera. It all comes out as black. The man in Navy doesn't sound nearly as good. Yeah. Man retires and he goes to blue. 
John, are you mad at uh, Bruce Willis for announcing his retirement to John McClain's yeah. retiring on the same day, stealing some of your spotlight? You know what? If Bruce called me, I'd say, listen, yippee-ki-yay, mother. <laughs> <laughs> I Dark. feel bad about Bruce Willis. because Yeah, he's that's sad. That's sad that news. Sad. Yeah. And it is sad news because, you know, he's been around forever. And I, I hate to see the end of his career. I remember when Jack, they told us Jack Nicholson was retiring for reasons like that, where he's having problems memorizing and remembering, which is not good if you're an actor. John, congratulations. You, you know, uh, you know what you mean to us. We, we thank you for uh, the decade plus uh, long partnership here with the show, but more than that, just, you know, the friendship, which continues. We'll, we'll be chatting with you on Tuesday. Jonathan Paul and Chad Lack, thank you guys for letting me come on today and talk about my retirement. Thank you. Everything you've done for me and everybody in Nashville uh, who's done so much for me over the last, this will be 26 years we're moving on to since the uh, Oilers became the, the Tennessee Oilers and then the Titans. Thank you, guys. Cheers, John. Thanks. Kindness, humility, and respect. John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. You can follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. We discuss Brian Cashman saying some stupid stuff about the Yankees in 2017. I'm pissed. And Bobby Wagner gets paid by a team that apparently doesn't have a salary cap. That's next in Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. From 6th and Peabody, it's Outkick 360. Brian Cashman with the Yankees. Paul, he's I've got it right talking here. some nonsense. Talking absolute nonsense. He's, you know, he's asked about a World Series drought since 2009. Which, by the way, when Yankees fans complain about a World Series drought, they're not talking about a drought of getting to the World Series. They're talking about a drought of winning the World Series. He says, it does bother me when people say we haven't been to the World Series since 2009. We did it all right by building it to a certain level that could have gotten us to a World Series, if not for something else. Talking about 2017 and the Astros. Well, you know, that, that's old news, by the way. Also, you know when else the Yankees have been to the playoffs? 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. And you didn't go to the World Series any of those years either. So, you know, the Astros beat you. They got you in the last game. They came back from 3-2. And, yeah, it sucks that they did things. But, you know, it, it, you may not have been well, entirely innocent through all this stuff yourself. You did if things. something comes out, you're going to get crushed. That letter is uh, going to be made public, yes, right? Yes. The first thing I thought of was the MLB, because of a public records request, we are any day away now from it being public record. It was eight days ago the story came out, and they said within two weeks they're going to issue the public letter of what the Yankees did exactly with the dugout phone to steal signs also. So this makes him look extra bad that he's complaining about it to this level. Unless well, the he Yankees knows, were cheating, Unless too. he knows what's in that letter, and it may not be well, that. He would. What's he would, in that right? letter might be, 
I'm uh, sure it's not to the what's level in of that the ladder is about be. them there's, turning turning not. stuff in on the Astros, which makes them look yeah, look I, bad. I, I believe he can't be that dumb to wear something similar to the Astros if he's complaining about I it. I mean, the Yankees got this, in trouble for some Paul, stuff that this, wasn't yet illegal. Yeah, in this instance, you said you know the Yankees aren't talking about a World Series drought of getting there. In this instance, they are. That was the last time yeah. they got to the well, World they, Series. Which, which disappoints me as a Yankee fan because it's weak. And he said, "I know, you know, we wouldn't have necessarily beat the Dodgers, but I think we we would have, you know." But you're you're down. This is just not Yankee like. It's very weak. T- tell me how you're getting there this year. Tell me how getting a defensive shortstop is a change of thinking, and you're going to play good defense and win games in a, in a different way after you absolutely sucked last year. Tell me how you're going to run the bases in a way this year where you don't. <laughs> have by far the most outs on the bases and look like a little league team that hasn't yet been taught, you know, when to go from first to third and things like that. It's a beta statement. Yeah. From Cashman. And it's not an organization. It's not a beta organization. It's not an organization that's way. Let the fans complain about that. He you don't complain about it. You know, to a lot of people, I think. In yeah. A, in a press conference setting. It was yesterday Week. that he said it uh, to reporters. But you don't. You don't complain about it. This is something you allow Let your fans, fans to complain it, about. Which they've done. And you move forward and, it's, it's and talk about this now. team. It's very old. I mean, it comes up when you play the Astros. That's fine. Let your fans bring garbage cans and bang them. But other than that, move forward. At least they didn't bring in Correa, right, Paul? I was happy they didn't. Um, he's in Minnesota. Yeah, good luck winning a World Series there, Chief. Airy, well, maybe they can implement something new there. Who knows? Yeah. Arians retires. Todd Bowles is now the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And out in L.A., a legitimate all-pro player joins an all-pro defense with the Rams. That's next.